Welcome back to This Is Jazz Today. My name is Nick Finzer and here with Alan Blanchard and we are talking about April 2019, brand new releases. We're starting to get into that time of year where all the big guns come out. So Alan, thanks for uh, putting together another great playlist. I was able to listen to uh, some of it this morning and there were some surprises on there. I was was, uh, impressed by the wide-ranging nature of your selections. Well, that that intrigues me because I was going through it and I was like, wow, this isn't as wide-ranging as I thought. Well, I thought that some of the, the stuff was, I didn't necessarily know who all the people were. Oh, no. sure, sure. So I was just, I was impressed that you did some digging. <laughs> uh, that's always my goal is trying to throw you off guard at least once. Yeah, at least once. So if you don't know where to find the playlist, our playlist, This Is Jazz Today, is up on Spotify. Uh, there's a link on our website where this uh, podcast is posted, but you can go and find that. Just type in This Is Jazz Today, and it should uh, pop right up on Spotify. So if you want to subscribe to that, and then you can see those new tracks as soon as they get added. And we usually do those at the end of the month, talking about the previous month. So uh, we've been putting 10 tracks up. I think one month has 11. Was that last month that we added uh, yeah, last month you approved the extra one. <laughs> extra track. Well, we got 10 for this month, so we're going to run through uh, a little bit of talking about each of these 10 tracks. So let's jump right in and uh, let's introduce these, this first track. Yeah, so the first track is the Alan Broadbent uh, trio, who was someone that I had um, never heard of. I don't know if you'd heard of him. Yes, he's, uh, he's a stalwart on the New York scene. Yeah. And so in my ignorance, I learned that he was uh, like a, a famed arranger for Woody mm-hmm. Herman's band um, with, you know, some of like his more well-known ones would be like the child is born or a child is born and uh, Bebop and Roses and, and all these stuff that he arranged for Woody Herman. Well, he has a uh, record out called uh, New York Notes with his trio, which is also uh, Harvey S on bass and Billy Mintz on drums. And I mean, they play a, a variety of tunes, um, like there's some standards, some I would say more um, like like not necessarily straight session tunes, like, you know, people aren't necessarily always playing like Tad Dameron's On a Misty Night. Sure. Um, or like some great American songbook standards with uh, Fine and Dandy and I Fall in Love Too Easily. Um, I ended up picking one of his originals off the record, uh, Clifford Notes. Um, but he also has uh, two other originals on the record, Continuity and Waltz Prelude. And honestly, I think it's a, a really good recording. I love listening to trios because I think it's a lot easier in that setting to um, like have a have some leeway, you know, uh, give and take with with the band because obviously, like you're working with three people, and you have very um, like very specific roles. You're not necessarily overlapping each other in in too many ways. Um, the, I will say, however, and this is kind of getting a little nitpicky that personally, I think, um, the, the drums and the cymbals are a little like bright in the mix. Oh yeah. I thought actually, I thought the same thing. I thought it was too loud. Yeah. The drums were too yeah, loud yeah. overall. And there's some of them where it seems like, like the, uh, the, the bell on the, on like the ride or something is like really like bright compared to everything else. And I was like, okay, cool. This is really loud. And and I started looking it up and I was like, all right. And Alan plays piano. So it's not like it's a drum record. Right. But uh, right. O- overall, once you get past that, I think people will enjoy listening to it. I enjoyed listening to it. I'm going to listen to the, some more of it. Um, but, but good record, you know? 
yeah, I mean, he's a legendary guy in the scene. So I, definitely. I don't know the, the drummer, though. Billy Mintz. I wasn't. I'm sure that I should probably know him. But oh, I, I mean, know. I should have known Alan Broadbent. So that's all right. We, we, you don't know what you don't know. And you haven't spent that much time in New York yet. Uh, so. Zero. Zero time. Exactly. So uh, let's keep going. So that was number 10, Clifford Notes. I mean, obviously you picked it because of the hint to Clifford. No, Brown. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> And then uh, I, this person, next guy, I don't know who this is. That's great. Cause I don't really know who he is either. Um, okay. and it was like, you know, one of the things that I do every month is I try to get a large list of stuff that's out there so that I'm not just mm-hmm. being like, Oh, Hey, you know, Branford has another record out. Like obviously going to choose that, but you know, trying to get some variety. Um, mm-hmm. and so this is an Italian based trio. Um, and so forgive me if I mispronounce anything going into this, I'm going to try. Uh, so the, the person's record is, uh, Jacobo Ferraza, who's a bass player. Um, and then it's a trio of bass guitar and drums with the guitarist Stefano Carbonelli and the drummer is Valerio Von Venetejo, maybe. Um, and so they're, they certainly have a, um, a, a more, uh, like bad plus type feeling to them. Like they're definitely like a modern trio and whatnot. And mm-hmm. the guitars kind of between the tracks on the record, they switch between, uh, he switches between electric and classical and they're, it's not like avant-garde in that way, or it's not, um, like really far out there and hard to grasp onto, I think, but they use a lot of like mm-hmm. modern stuff we find in modern, um, jazz. I feel, you know, like, uh, um, sometimes grasping onto like an ostinato based rhythm or or something driving in that manner and so when, when i was listening to it like i heard a lot of like uh like stuff like how felipe or fleep sounds um and and stuff like the bad plus or like maybe even brad meldow how it's influenced so certainly coming from a, a more like european type tradition i guess you could say mm-hmm. um but I don't, I don't know i enjoyed it uh in in that regards because it wasn't there wasn't really a moment where i thought that it was like too much in my face it was just something that i could put on I could listen to and like I could follow the different paths that they were going to take. Nice. Well, I'm glad that you uh, did a little bit of digging. Um, I, I'm going to have to do some more listening because I don't know this. I don't know this at all. Uh, so the next one I also didn't know because I was listening while I was driving. So I didn't come up with everyone that was on this record. I didn't realize it was Dave Liebman playing saxophone <laughs> on this next thing. And I was very intrigued. I was like, wow, this is. It's inter- it's an interesting record. Yeah, it's a very interesting record. Um, so the record we're talking about is it's a duo record called Journey Around the Truth, which has Andy Elmler on organ and Dave David Liebman or Dave Liebman on saxophone. Um, which, to my understanding, Andy Elmler is a uh, French, and so like this record was a project that they did out in France. Um, I think recorded live. I'm not sure, but it was recorded. Uh, from like the auditorium of radio in France. And it was a, it's a very, um, um, a wreath ethereal type experience. You know, it's very like open, um, definitely open jazz. And it's interesting to hear it. Like to hear Dave, uh, Liebman play over like a traditional organ, you know, that's not like a B3. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of really cool because that then gives him, like a lot of uh, like a surprisingly amount of like support or stuff like beneath him to create 
uh, you know, sound and, and density, even though it's just duo playing where, you know, usually like in duo playing, I feel like we hear a lot more space, you know, and, and people like fitting in and out of that, where this is more like there's like a padding set down. And then he's even able to, you know, keep the padding set down as he's playing the melodies with Dave Liebman. And so that like that's that was a really interesting to hear just the pairing itself of saxophone and organ. Um, so I think people. Yeah, it's an interesting. Yeah, combo. yeah, it, it's very interesting because you know the like we're all used to the B three, and so when you get like a true totally. like pipe organ, that's interesting. It's very interesting. Agreed. Agreed. I didn't even realize it was pipe organ when I put it on. I thought it was synthesizer. Um, I think there is some of it used in because he is credited with um with electric piano some but like the majority of it is pipe organ pipe organ crazy yeah props to him man because then you you know getting all the different like hands doing different things and then your feet doing stuff Oof. that's hard man it's hard. I, can, I can't i couldn't do that man i can barely do one yes. thing at a time i can barely play yes. trombone so anyway <laughs> to digress <laughs> But anyway, so I didn't realize that that was there. I thought this was this Andy Emler was another one that you went and dug for. But now I see that Dave Liebman kind of led. Yeah, you there. it definitely got to Andy but, Elmler by Dave Liebman with a hundred like hundred percent will admit that. But I did have to dig because okay. a lot of the articles are in French because it was uh, like it, it was released under a French label, uh, Radio France. Mm -hmm. Like it was recorded in France. Like you had to do a little bit of digging there. I will say. Makes sense. Makes sense. But I'm glad you did it. And uh, we're keeping with the duo vibe on the next track with uh, Bill Frizzell and Thomas Morgan. Why don't you let us know? Yeah, about this, um, this was really cool because um, I've recently started listening to a lot more Bill Frizzell. And, um, you know, as I'm trying to like learn and, and read about it, I kind of saw like a parallels to um, where Bill Evans uh, and his trio had like split a weekend of gigs at the Vanguard and recorded the two live albums Sunday at the Village Vanguard and Waltz for Debbie. Um, and evidently Bill Frizzell and Thomas Morgan did the same thing with their album that they have put out uh, in the past small town. And that, then now they have Epistrophe, um, which was really cool. It's, it's a really good album. It certainly, you know, does not have as much space taken up as an organ. <laughs> um, but <laughs> yeah. like, it's really cool and i've gotten uh i've recently i'll say i've gotten more into guitar um because for me guitar you know not having played with a guitarist often um you know i'll fully admit i'm not listening to like peter bernstein or bill frizzell or, or russell malone on the regular or something like that it's it's kind of um i've always thought that they have like a more limited uh timbre maybe than a pianist um, but they okay. like they know how to complement each other like really well with exploiting that, and there's a I think there's a really good variety of um, tunes on there between like they do a version of like in the wee small hours of the morning. Um, I personally picked Epistrophe, a great monk standard. Uh, they do Lush Life, uh, Mumbo Jumbo, and and a bunch of other tunes. And it's I mean, I mean again I can't say enough how much I would rather listen to um, like a really good live record than a studio record. And that's you know to each their own. Um, but I, that's just my, my preference. Tell me more about that. Why do you like, why do you like a live record more than a studio? Well, record? one, I know it was one take. <laughs> that's not a big thing, but like, that's uh -huh. cool. You know, um, that's the musician talking. Cause you want to know about like if they did it live or if there was, well, some that, trickery. and then it's also, um, 
I feel, you know, there's certainly some recordings where you can hear more of the room than others, um, which I think that's really cool. It's also, um, I feel like, because I experienced this with trying to record my recital or whatever coming up. One of the great things I liked about being able to record my recital was I was like, there, there is no redo. So don't worry about it. Just go out yep. there, like record it. And then you're going to get what you get. And so just, you know, you, know, you can kind of almost not even worry about the recording. You're just going to go play. And I think right. that's a, a really just, nice thing as a musician. And, and it can allow some people to get less out of their head and more just like into, you know what, this is just another gig. <laughs> it's just a gig, you know? Right. And so it maybe is a little more adventurous. Oh, definitely. I mean, some of my favorite records are live records. And so it's just something I've, I've naturally been pulled, you know, like the live at Village Vanguard with Wenton or the live at the Village Vanguard with Joshua Redman. Or honestly, maybe it's just the Village Vanguard that I like. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, maybe you just like the, the Vanguard yeah. regardless. <laughs> um, but I, I don't know. I mean, and of course, there's many studio recordings that I like. I'm not going to say like, oh, yeah, all these are tr- trash. Um, yeah. But you're kind of saying that. No, I'm, kidding. I'm kidding. I mean, I guess if you had to pick one, sure, sure. Funny. Amazing. All right. Well, let's keep on rocking and rolling with our playlist here. So just a reminder, if you haven't found the playlist yet, you should probably should if you're listening to this talk about the playlist. It's on Spotify. Just type in This Is Jazz Today and click on the 2019 version. There's a 2018 version that has over 100 tracks on it that we curated last year. By we, I mean, nah, you did something. Curated. <laughs> something. I did something. Um, so this next record I was listening to earlier today, and I have been seeing some articles, maybe not articles, but online stuff, some press about this John Patitucci record, and I hadn't heard it yet, and I didn't even realize it was out yet. I thought it was still coming out, but I checked it out this morning, and it was really cool. So uh, tell, tell us more about yeah. this. Um, this is a, definitely plays a little bit, I think, on my ignorance. Because I think I've always had okay. a um, a connotation to like how John Patitucci plays or what kind of group John Patitucci would be in. Um, and mm-hmm. I think he's commonly associated with like a lot of notes. Um, sure. And so he puts out this record called Soul of the Bass where he's kind of quoted explaining that um, as he gets I think as you get older, you prioritize the sound and the feeling of everything you play, which if rendered with integrity will result in a clarity that communicates to the listener and draws them in. I'm like, all right, cool. Oh, that was very elegant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so he, he has like a bunch of stuff um, throughout the record. Like he has his daughters uh, sing on one of the tracks. Um, and he mm-hmm. has his wife play, I think on one of the tracks. And then he has uh, Nate Smith, the drummer, the R&B drummer, play on one of the tracks. Um, and so it's really cool. Mm-hmm. I ended up picking this um, Morning Train, which he labeled as a spiritual on it, um, which also, interestingly enough, did you notice how like some of the tracks had numbers in front of them? I did notice you that. You think I that's a mistake, that a right? <laughs> okay, uh, awkward. Um be. Let me go to the album. Oh yeah, it's definitely a mistake. That's a cop. That's oh, like come on, guys. You gotta right read your stuff. <laughs> Yo, Alan oh my god, he does lots of paperwork. <laughs> Jesus. Um, <laughs> so, anyways, looking at this stuff, it's it's a thirteen track record. I picked this spiritual, and one of the things, uh, kind of going back to my ignorance and what whatnot, 
um to me man this was like one of the um and i'll say this saying that i haven't listened to a lot of john Batatucci himself <laughs> this was like one of the most like bluesy and like uh uh i mean spiritual for lack of a better word and um like soulful things that i've heard him play and it was really cool mm-hmm. because like for me it man it was almost like listening to like rodney jordan play down here at fsu you know who's like a really mm-hmm. soulful gospely type bass player um and it man it was really it's a really good record and i haven't checked out all of it yet and what else is interesting is they're all very they're all relatively short tracks um and it has some mm-hmm. Uh, like he does an uh, Alamon and D minor on here too. So he, he kind of goes back and forth. He has a track named Elvin, which I'm assuming is a tribute to Elvin Jones. Um, I would guess. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's really cool. And it's, uh, it, you know, he, he says that's kind of centered around melodic improvisations and it's all about melody and, and like looking at the bass for like what the bass is worth. So I think people that, that, um, are, I, I mean, bass players are definitely gonna like it, but but I think people that are are, I, I would say give it a listen. Like even if you don't normally like John Patitucci or something, like you don't like the music that he's associated with, like ignore that and just listen to this because this isn't the way that I have when I've been exposed to John Patitucci growing up or or in studies even necessarily like the records that he's really like commonly associated with, like with uh, Chick Corea or something like that. This is not how. That yeah, it's very different, and it's it's a really good record. Well, I mean, I think he, I mean, I think he plays on a lot of records that you probably oh, 100%, like, you didn't like know without a doubt. On, I would say because he's he's like super versatile, super soulful, like just, but also right. he can chop out. So so I guess that's why he gets that reputation. But uh, a lot of his recent records have been pretty uh, not that way, pretty not that way, meaning very much like in the tradition of right because he plays in wayne shorter's quartet for right. the last 20 years you know like in that more in that space than in like but even Chicago that was interesting because i saw him when he came here with uh Danella perez and brian blade and wayne shorter and them and that was okay. there yeah, so true. the way they did that was they split the concert half of it was this um this work that had been commissioned that it was also paired with like a uh like a wind ensemble type vibe on um, the other half was quartet mm-hmm and that was some very free and right. open quartet <laughs> that took like time. No changes yeah, to like their vibe. There's time. There are changes implied <laughs> and there's other stuff. Sure. No, no, no. I certainly like, like, it was very, hard. it was, it was, like it, was um, it was very, it was difficult for me to follow sometimes because they went through like different tunes, but they didn't necessarily ever cut off. They just went from tunes to tune, um, okay. like some Wayne compositions, and like they did Autumn Leaves at one point in time a little bit. And so, like I know, um, uh, like I don't want to give it a negative connotation. It was just like something where like you had to be really intently focused. And I don't know how much your the avid listener or the average listener that was not like a musician would have picked up necessarily on like what they were doing. Whereas you know, like we're geeking out in the back and like sure. you know smacking each other online and be like, "Yo, this is Autumn Leaves. This is Autumn Leaves," and we're like, "Oh yeah, cool. Okay, cool." Right, right, right. Because right. you're trying to figure it out. Right. Yeah, just different, yeah. different mindset, I guess. Different musician. The musician mindset can be limiting right. in a certain kind of way. But um, okay, let's keep on moving. We got sidetracked a little bit. John Patitucci, great solo bass record. Now, 
of course, you can't put anything out without Alan putting it on the yeah. playlist. <laughs> the most famous jazz family, Winton Marcellus. Um, I picked teasing. it because, like, there. I look. Okay, I'll be honest. Like, I really didn't want to pick it because I knew <laughs> that if I picked it, you would have given me crap for picking it. Um. Oh yeah, but I was gonna give you. Yeah, but there's ways. there's a lot of recordings on this, which was really cool, and it's a lot of um. So what it is um, to for everyone else that isn't looking at the playlist, even though you should, um, this is they finally released like the full soundtrack to this uh, movie Bolden coming up um, that went and helped put together and whatnot. And so there's a lot of um, New Orleans type standards on here um, throughout it, like they do uh, Muscat Muscrat Ramble, uh, the Tiger Rag, um, Stardust, you know, all these. Uh, funky butt. I thought I heard Buddy Bolden say, you know, just very different. Um, Dinah, all of these older standards and whatnot, and that's really cool to hear it. And like this new, they stay like that's always been a really cool thing about him is like he stays true to how it was or it would have been represented. But we have modern recording technology, um, so that's really nice. Mm-hmm. I think um, when you're when you're learning and whatnot, or if you want to check any of this stuff out, um. But it's really cool. I would also, I will have to uh, put out a disclaimer. There is an explicit track on this record. There is. Because, again, they're talking about Buddy Bolden in, like, early New Orleans. Um, So, like, there was the Red Light Mm -hmm. District, and there was music that was paired with the Red Light District, and that's on the soundtrack. So, um, (laughs) be careful with that. But um, they did... um, I picked the tune Didn't He Ramble, which was a, a song that I first heard with uh, Harry Connick Jr., I think. Um, you know, which dates all the way back to like Kid Ori recording it with his band. And it's a, a great short little standard. Um, phenomenal playing. A lot of the uh, Lincoln Center people are playing on the on the uh, record. And I think that, um, you know, if you're a fan of Wenton, you'll like it. If you're a fan of like New Orleans type jazz, you'll dig it. If you're not, I think they still get across in a way where you'll be able to dig it and appreciate it because certainly they, you know, they, they try to stay true to the, um, to the, the types of lines that people would be playing over. But, you know, obviously like everything that they've learned and whatnot is going to influence them. So there is a little Herbie that sometimes slips through and Winton's playing influence into the stuff, you know, but they try to say, stay true to the tradition. And, and it's a, it's a really good soundtrack and looking forward to the movie coming out. That's really when interesting. When is that movie Let me supposed to come up. out? Yeah. I know that they were like doing um, like a ton of stuff. Like for example, record shops that were going to carry the record, they were sending them like King Cake, King's Cake. Um. Oh, okay. Yeah. It should be coming out soon. Let's see. It comes out May third. Oh. That's okay. today. You know when that is? <laughs> That's today. All right, guys. So there's a new movie out today. <laughs> so it's. <laughs> Did you know it was May third when you asked? Okay. Uh, no, I looked at the date immediately. I was All like, right, Wait, so May 3rd coming out today at a movie theater near you. <laughs> <laughs> is, yeah, Bolden. I didn't realize that he was listed as a, the executive producer. Yeah, I didn't either. I just know that they, um, I know that he was heavily, uh, like he was an advisor, obviously. Um, but, you know, uh, right, it sure. stars Gary Carr in it. and But, like, the band's, like, ridiculous. It has, you know, Victor Goins on it, Marcus Prentup, Wyclef. Like, Catherine Russell sings some. And, I mean, 
let's be honest, when you're winning, like, and you're putting together a movie, you could probably call whoever you want to call. Um, but yeah, definitely True. Uh, something I'm looking forward to see at least. Yeah. As I didn't remember, is it supposed to be like a story about it or is it supposed to be, like um, a I think it's a biopic or a, what do they call in, it? in kind of a sense, but not yeah. like a, yeah. like certainly not a documentary vibe, but like trying to be as historically accurate of a retelling right. as you could, which is very interesting. Cause you know, there is no recording or at least surviving recording of bloody Bolton. So they kind of, um, right. Had a lot to take on there because, you know, you only have what to base it off of what was passed down, uh, verbally and, and as stories from one to another. So that's really interesting. And of course, right. if anyone's hip to like the, the history of like Jelly Roll Morton and, and King Oliver and whatnot, New Orleans was, uh, was an interesting place during that time. So that's really killing. Yeah. I mean, that's cool that that's coming. That's coming out. Hopefully it's a big, yeah, you know, um, yeah, okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, it has a 71% uh, on uh, rotten tomatoes right now. Yeah. Captain Marvel had 78%. I haven't seen any of those movies. What's like a good rating? on? T- um, on I would, I would say the seventies are pretty good, but like, it's also the day it came out, you know, so not a lot 70s of seventies is good. Yeah, you know. Um, let's right. put it this way. Dumbo, the movie, 47%. <laughs> what is it just like a yes or no thing? Um, or you're asking a lot of scale? questions right now. You're I'm am, not I saying I do, but <laughs> they, they like write little, uh, reviews, you know, uh, some people are saying, um, yeah, 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 like yeah, certainly Yelp. Is it like Yelp? Yo, you know, Alfonso Horn's in it, right? All right. I did know. Yeah, that. just like a second. Like, he he gets like cut or something by by Buddy Bolden. Yeah, and then went and yeah, plays, plays trumpet Buddy for Buddy Bolden. Bolden. So Buddy sorry. Bolden. Well, of course. So it's close to Buddy Bolden, but it's right. not exactly Buddy Bolden. <laughs> anyway, okay, I digress. Uh, we got off sorry. on another Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, um, so and the next. One that you picked. I I've have never not heard either. this tune played quite this way. I mean, it's a well-known Freddie Hubbard tune, uh, Up Jump Spring. Yeah, Go, so this is uh, Eric Reed's new album um, called Everybody Gets the Blues, you know, and he says uh, that your blues may not be my blues, but everybody gets them. Um, and he certainly comes from a uh, gospel background because I know at least his father was a preacher, if I'm not mistaken. I think his father was a preacher. I'm fairly certain his father was a preacher. <laughs> So, <laughs> yeah, the, he's also accompanied <laughs> by uh, Tim Grand, Tim Green, damn, on saxophone, uh, McClenty Hunter, drummer, and uh, Mike uh, uh-huh. Garola. Thank you. Thank you on bass. <laughs> um, and he goes through uh, tons of different compositions on here. I picked this one because I was like you. I had never um, heard it. So the or played like that. I've heard the tune before. Up Jump Spring, you know, classic waltz. He, they play it like as a ballad. And it's really cool as a ballad. Right. Um, and I think that's, I, I always enjoy that stuff. You know, when someone takes a standard that everyone's used to, and then you're kind of questioning if you've ever actually heard the standard before. Because there's a lot of tunes, you know, mm-hmm. it, like I'm sure you've heard the lecture, lecture, the information when <laughs> talking about monk tunes. 
how like Bunk was very particular about uh, tempos and stuff or how, um, you know, he never right. played a blues that wasn't in C, you know, all that stuff. And so it's very interesting to, to look back at this and be like, well, you know, maybe well, did they sometimes like, is there another recording of it being played as a ballad? Like, is there something I don't know? Um, there could be, <laughs> but pause for a second. Wait a minute. What? That, that is Monk never played a blues. That wasn't that is a, uh, that is a, I don't know that that's true. That has been told to me because uh, but I'm, I ain't trying to throw people under the bus, you know. Okay, look. Okay, well, let's back up. I can right, think of right, four. Right. Okay, so let me bring up one straight no chase. That aren't in C. Supposedly, when like I've always yeah. wondered, you know, whenever I like go to call it, someone's like, "Okay, C or F," and I call it an F, and then someone will be like, "Man, you know, Monk never played a blues that wasn't in C," and I'm like, "Okay, cool." <laughs> uh, so. Yeah, okay, I, look, well, that one aside, there's other know. ones though. I don't know. I'm not. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm not either, not, but I can only take sure what is at face value. What about Mysterioso? Mysterioso yeah, sure, is not in sure. C. I don't know. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> we're getting we're real getting off here. Track. Yeah. Sidetracked again. We're getting really off. Uh, so Eric Reed, great record. The only reason I knew oh, Mike Garola is because I hired him. Um, it also has LA like tons of other to standards. Uh, them, in so. some ways, like they do a take of uh, Naima. They take a um, uh, Cedar hmm. Walton, um, which is a, a like his nod or or you know reference to Cedar Walton. Um, there's a Stevie Wonder tune on here. Don't uh, don't worry about a thing. Um, it's a part of a medley actually oh, nice. in this um, yesterday slash yesterdays. So it's like the Beatles yesterday in a medley with Jerome Kearns yesterday. And then Stevie Wonder's Don't You Worry About a Thing is in there. Um, So that's cool. If you guys can all hear that, there's there's also uh, Martha's Prize, which is really cool. Uh, It's a Cedar Walton composition, um, but it's in a funk groove here. Uh, And near the end, Eric Reed actually uh, quotes a very popular tune among uh, all the uh, young kids now these days, Nick. Uh, Strasbourg St. Denis. Don't know if you've heard of that one. <laughs> yeah. Don't know if that's no, uh, your, ever, your age group, man, but, uh, that's, <laughs> I'm pretty sure that came out when I was a, wow. in high school or a college. Well, I'm well, Hey, sure. you know, in college, <laughs> I'm not that Whatever old. Whatever you now. say, man. Okay. All right. Uh huh. Okay. <laughs> moving on. We're moving on. And something that I just noticed for people that are maybe people that always enjoy looking at liner notes and stuff like that is that Spotify added at some point recent, relatively recently that they actually published the credits Where? of these, of these tunes. And so if you click, if you're on the Spotify app and you click at the right hand side, like on the track, it says okay. on the menu there, it says show credits. And I can see that these labels haven't been giving them all of the credits yet, but I'm sure there will be an update at some point. But it shows the oh, label wow, and the wow. okay, composer cool. and the producer and the performers. So for the when you want to look up, it's not always there. I, I'm looking through some of these other records, and it's not the info isn't there for each person. But you should know that that's there, and you might be able to find out some info well, that way. Would you look at that in the future? Right now, it seems like it's not totally. Yeah, they're finally listening to some of the musicians who complain about you can never see who's on these records. <laughs> but 
alas. Let's keep moving. So the next, yeah. next record. So uh, Kendrick, Kendrick Scott, Scott Oracle, I think this is the band's uh, formerly called, A Wall Becomes a Bridge, um, came out, and it's produced by uh, Derek Hodge. Um, and it's his quintet, you know, of uh, turntablist uh, Jahi Sundance. Guitarist. Is yep. that how he lists himself as a turntablist? Yep. I'm uh, actually looking at the Blue Note oh, website right now to make sure I get all of that correct. Uh, guitarist Mike Moreno. That's great. Uh, pianist Taylor Agaisti. Agisti? Ixi? Ixi. I don't see it. I see Agaisti, I, I, I but all right. Ixi. It's a hard one. It's a hard one. Uh, Reed is John Ellis and uh, bassist Joe Sanders. Um, and so this one is actually a. Um, and this is so good that I look things up because I looked at this at first and I was like, why does he have all these arrows? Um, I don't think I've ever actually used that key. <laughs> right. And um, it's actually a song cycle that he did. Uh, so throwback to everyone's classical right. music history course um, when you do that. And it's uh, it's a song cycle that he did personally about uh, overcoming obstacles and uh, both personal and in and, and a, a collective end that he thinks. And so... Um, that's really interesting for me because something, you know, when someone says song cycles, I always then like try to listen for how they might connect together. Um, and so that's been an interesting thing going from, Mm -hmm. from track to track and, and seeing how it, how it functions as one larger thing, which is something I certainly appreciate in albums when it's not, you know, like there is something to be said for here's so-and-so playing standards. Like that's cool. And I think everyone, this might be very unpopular opinion, but I think everyone at some point like feels like they have to do that, you know, like, Hey, let me demonstrate my ability to play standards. But I have a greater appreciation for when someone releases something and it's like, it's a project and the entire album has a purpose as a whole. And I think that's, that's cool to see some Mm -hmm. uh, continuity between it and, and, and get this whole, you know, view it less as just a, a collection of things and view it more as a, as a one large thing. And so I picked this track, uh, Voices, off of here, which it's incredible. It, Kendrick Scott is incredible. It's certainly modern. Dude, like, this is nothing like that Buddy Bolden track with Winton. Um, but I think it's really cool. Right. And I think it's uh, obviously, you know, with the addition of having a turntablist, like, it's um, it's kind of, you know, blending even more with where like modern pop and, and hip hop's at something that Kendrick Scott, I'm, I'm sure has always been hip to, you know? Oh yeah, totally. I think I feel like I was talking to somebody that was telling me there was a, something about those arrows. It was supposed to mean something like it, maybe it was supposed to go backwards that like he put it on, he put the, tr- put oh, the like it's supposed to go like 12, 11, 10, nine. And that is supposed to go, because that's the number of arrows is backwards from the, no- That'd be interesting. the amount of the number. I wonder of if that tracks. was another typo. <laughs> I forgot who I was talking to about this. No, so he intentionally put it backwards. I remember talking to somebody about this. <laughs> I think I don't remember if it's backwards or there's something about that that it was intentional. I'm not buying it, it Nick. I'm not buying something. it. I forget who. Maybe I was talking to him about it. I, well, that's fine, but. There's something. To, there's something to it. There was some purpose behind it. it wasn't it was it wasn't just to like randomly, you know, do oh, that, sure. to do something weird just for the sake of being weird. It had a purpose. But uh, to me, it's like you can't escape with this record. The first thing that I heard, like sonically, it reminded me of um, 
I think a lot of records were influenced by um, a lot of bands, at least by Aaron Parks, right. that Invisible Cinema record. I think it really has a lot of the sound of it, at least reminds me of that. I guess maybe it's the guitar and piano writing that remind me of that. But it was uh, it was it's cool. It's definitely cool. Uh, anyway, <laughs> let's get back to the playlist here. Yeah, man, what's going on? <laughs> really having a hard time staying on track today. That's cool. That's cool. I, I miss you too, Meg. Just talking. Just talking. <laughs> <laughs> There's a, when I started this next track and listened to it, I was expecting something else. This is a new, yeah. a new um, record by Nora Jones. I was too. <laughs> because I, uh, so I got hip to this record by that, um, like that thing that I sent you the other day with uh, how Lincoln Center is kind of like taking your idea. Uh, <laughs> I won't say what they're taking our idea. They're posting like the top records uh, or like new records to check oh, okay. out for the months. Um, and so this was one of them that they had listed oh, for sure, sure. Yeah, um, yeah. April. And I listened to it and I was like, okay. okay, hold on. Let me listen to another track and see if I could justify this going on the record or on the playlist because it wasn't as um, quote unquote jazzy or whatever as some might want or think or whatever. Um, but then I started checking out the band sure. and like freaking Jeff Tweedy and Thomas uh, Bart Bartlett and Brian Blade Killen are on the record um, and started looking it up. And so really what it is, yeah. I guess, is a uh, it's a collection of singles, um, which let me rephrase. No shame to Nora Jones doing a collection of singles she put out, even though I was just talking about how cool it is that Kendrick Scott's mm-hmm. album is not a collection of that. Um, but it's, it's a great album. It's only, um, seven tracks, but it, I think it covers a lot of, uh, like there's a lot of versatility and a lot of, uh, different type of vibes in it. Um, and she just talks about like, you know, it's just, it's stuff that they've been working on, stuff that she's been working on, you know, little voice memos that she's turned into tunes as like jumping off points or whatnot. And she really didn't have like anything Mm -hmm. in mind. And it just turned out that it was like this band that was experimenting with like electronic stuff and going to like acoustic folk ballads type idea and like organ and, and soulful things and whatnot. So supposedly all of these, um, I should do better research on this, but there were three of them that have not been released before, which is like what helps make it a full album. The other three have been released in some record in some, uh, Mm -hmm. capacity. Um, but I don't know. I really enjoyed it. I mean, I've always liked Nora Jones as a vocalist and whatnot. Um, I just think people need to go into it. Like, even though, yeah, generally we're talking about jazz here and we call it a, this is jazz today and whatnot. But like, what is jazz? You know, <laughs> and just like go into it and dig oh it, boy. man. It's a cool oh record. Boy. Yeah, no, I, I, I just was, exp- I don't know what I was expecting, but I just, I guess I, the last time I really listened to Nora Jones was a long time ago. So I just expected that same kind of singer songwritery kind of <laughs> you saying quiet, she can't sing loud, Nick. I don't know. Whatever that was. <laughs> I'm not saying that people change, that's Nick. They can do different projects. Not, that's true. <laughs> that's true. You're right. I, yes, you're right. All right. And on to the next yeah. record, <laughs> the next tune. Um, yeah, oh I bet gosh. you thought Winton was going to be number one, but you know what? I did you one better. I took his drummer and made him number one um, with uh, Herlin Riley's new record. Uh-huh. Um, and I love Herlin Riley. I think he's one of the best drummers, period. Um, I think he's ridiculous. And he put out this new record called Perpetual Optimism. 
um, which I think is is really um, it, it describes him well when he was here. At least he was a very optimistic person, um, and always about like man, you know, like let's just look at the good things that are going on. You know, he's always like, um, especially with songs like he has like Tutti Ma or whatever, where he's singing and he just embodies the feeling of uh, of, of New Orleans tradition and and just um, always always having fun. Great entertainer when he plays. Great, great soul to be around and everything. Um, he does tons of stuff. He sings on the record. He he does like a version of 12 Zit, um, which, you know, it's something that he played a lot in New Orleans, I'm sure. Um, it's a really young band, uh, which is really cool. You know, it has uh, Emmett Cohen playing piano, Russell Hall on bass, Godwin Lewis on alto, and Bruce Harris on trumpet, who also takes a uh, ridiculous solo on this tune that I picked. Um, be there when I get there. And I think it's just, it, man, it's just a killing record. Like, I don't know how else to describe it. Just put it on, like, listen to it. It's phenomenal. Uh, Herlin Riley is very, so versatile in what he's able to do. Um, and if you haven't heard him play, uh, tambourine, like look that up now before you listen to this record. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, he can, he can do yeah, some things. Pretty good at that. Pretty good at that. Um, but no, it's, it's a very, um, yeah, yeah it's, it's just really good, man. Even like when they do Stella, like it doesn't, it's not Stella. Like it, like it is Stella, but it's not the same Stella that everyone expects it to be, you know? And it's, uh, he's, he's ridiculous as a, as a musician sure. and, and a great person to be around. And they have a good variety of, uh, different stuff that he's going on to. Um, but I think, I think people will like it. You know, you you got Victor Young in there with his, with Stella. You got Gene DePaul's with, you don't know what love is. Ellis with 12 zit Willie Dixon's uh, with Wang Dang Doodle. Um, you know, you know, like, come on, you got a tune on there named Wang Dang Doodle. Like, how can you not like the record? Right? <laughs> yeah, it's killing. It's killing. okay. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. I'm d- huge. Uh, Erlen Riley fan, like man. Huge Erlen Riley fan. That's yeah, he's a great drummer. Amazing. Well, there you go. There's 10 new tracks for April 2019. And we'll be back in just a few weeks with next month's episode for May 2019. Go to Spotify. This is Jazz Today. And uh, subscribe to the playlist so you can see when those new tracks are coming out. Thanks for being here. My name is Nick Finzer along with Alan Blanchard. And we will be back in just a few weeks. So thanks, and we'll see you next time.